Good day, inspired listeners. I'm Stacy Fleece, and as always, I'm here with Samantha Tredelius. How are you, Samantha? Good day, Stacy Fleece. Good day. Happy I just love that. Monday morning. Mm-hmm. It is a Monday, indeed. Um, so last quarter of the year, last mm. quarter of another completely fucked up year. Um, <laughs> I wonder if we'll ever have a normal one again. I don't know. But, uh, you know, they always talk about the last quarter of the year. Well, I mean, honestly, in my business right now, we are very focused on what do we need to do to make 2022 more successful than 2021? Like, how do we increase our business? But I know a lot of people are thinking about what do I need to do from a financial perspective to limit my tax liability for 2021 to make it less of a screwed up year than it already is. Mm-hmm. There, are, uh, there are things that people should be looking at and things that people probably should be doing and things that I never do. So we are fortunate enough today to have Tracy Teal with us, who's one of the rare female partners of large accountant firms here in San Francisco. Uh, Tracy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? So happy you're here to tell me all the things I'm doing wrong and maybe what I should be doing right in the last 90 days of this year. Being an accountant is such a sexy job, isn't it? (laughs) I always think about that TikTok video that's like, nobody asks you questions when you say you're an accountant. (laughs) So tell us what we need to be thinking about here as homeowners and as business owners for the next uh, few months closing out the year? Well, I would say the the biggest thing is charitable deductions. Because of the CARES Act this year, you can deduct 100% of your, up to your 100% of your AGI. So if you make $100,000, you could actually give away $100,000 and deduct all of it. I'm just going to be honest, that would be very difficult for me to do and pay for college. So (laughs) I will not be doing that. But if there's anyone listening, (laughs) donate 100% of their gross income. You are my new best friend, right? The the point is before you could only deduct 50%. Oh, so so if if for some reason you have extra money, it is a way to get a deduction. Um, Does that go for in-kind donations as well or only cash donations? Uh, cash donations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cash I, donations. I and know it has a really good nonprofit to donate to. Uh, <laughs> sparklenow.org. We will take your money. We will take your money. <laughs> and do great stuff with it. And do good stuff with it. So when, when people are donating um, that, what is the things, types of things that they need to be asking from the place that they're donating. They need a letter, right? They need a letter. The letter needs to indicate that they didn't get anything in exchange for their donation. Um, You know, you really should have letters for everywhere you donated. Um, You really, nobody's going to look at those unless you get audited. Mm -hmm. Ah, Um, Don't even say that word. It is a bad word. It is an absolute bad word. What about like, um, you know, there was a time period where you could get uh, deductions for you know, putting solar on your house or upgrading your windows to be more energy efficient. Are those the types of things? Buying a Tesla, yes. Those credits still exist. Um, Most of them have a timeframe, like on the Tesla credits, um, it's only a certain number of vehicles get them. So when they run out, they run out. Um, So sometimes you can get them, sometimes not, just depends. 
And then as far as home repairs, because yours truly just went through a gigantic home remodel, as many people have, um, are the windows and the more efficient uh, fixtures in your house or those things you can deduct as well? Typically not. The windows probably if they're they're more efficient. Um, but if you had a newer house, they probably aren't going to be that much better. Mm -hmm. um, most home repairs go into the basis of your house so that when you sell it, you um, have less of a gain, but typically most um, repairs aren't going to be a deduction for this year. Mm -hmm. So people who are doing home repairs need to keep meticulous records of the expense of said repairs. So X number of years down the road when they sell the house, that adds on to the cost basis of the purchase when calculating the capital gains, correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. So Samantha, keep your receipts. Keep your receipts. So speaking of capital gains, we're just peppering. We're just firing away here, Tracy. Capital gains, what is the what is the deal now? Is it going to change? You know, right now there's a bill um, that could change a lot of, of the taxes as we know it today. Is it sitting on so, capital hill? So, yes, it is. And, um, you know, every your guess is as good as mine. Mm -hmm. um, I think for the average person, it's not going to make a lot of changes. Um, some of the big changes are going to be around estate gifts and how much you can deduct in your estate. Um, but lots of changes coming, and we, you know, we should know hopefully by the end of the year. But what about the below average person? Any impact there? <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> Probably not. Okay, noted. I love that. Uh, and let's talk about small business owners. What are the types of things um, that they need to be thinking about for 21 tax year? Um, you know, the biggest thing um, is that you are expected to pay your taxes as you go through the year. Um, so if you earn, you know, equally throughout the year, that's the way you're supposed to pay your taxes. A lot of small business owners don't make their estimated taxes and they get to the end of the year and um, they haven't paid in enough. There's two things that you can do. One is that um, you can look at when you earned your income and actually calculate when the actual payments were due. So the IRS will assume, you know, you earned it equally over the year, but you can actually fill out a form and say, no, I earned it all in my last quarter and therefore your payments weren't due to them. So you're going to have less penalty for paying late. Oh, that's cool. I did not know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it counts for anybody, but someone who has a W-2. And how do you, do you have to prove that? Or can you just say that? You just fill it out. Um, really? You know, now, if you were um, a retail business and you said, well, retail business, you know, that your income didn't come in the Christmas season, that probably isn't going to make sense, right? So it's going to make a little sense with what you do. Um, but that will help reduce any penalties. The other thing is that if you are um, the business owner and you run your own payroll, you can actually pay yourself through payroll and get a W-2 and just put it all to taxes. If you get a W-2, the IRS assumes you e earned that equally throughout the year. Mm -hmm. So you could not pay yourself till December 31st. So you can do like one big fat payment at the end of the year and basically stick it all into withholding and they'll, they'll assume that was earned over the course of the year and no penalties. I always wondered why self-employed people paid themselves this big chunk at the end of the year. And, and you know, you, you pay yourself $50,000 and your, your net check is $12 and 46 cents. Yep. 
That's exactly why. And then you can wait till the end of the year and know how much you're going to owe, right? You can make a much better estimate if you've gotten to the end of the year and you see how much income you had. Um, So yeah, that gets you out of the penalties for not making your estimated tax payments. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Talk to me about the types of business expenses that are write-offs and the types of business expenses that you're going to have some red flags as a business owner and things that you need to be aware of that are not write-offs. So (laughs) write-offs. The IRS is getting everything electronically now, right? So they're able to sort the data and compare one or one company to another. So they'll look at all grocery stores, for example, and get an idea of, do these numbers make sense? Um, So really you wanna be writing off things and putting it in categories that um, make sense for your business. If you've got a grocery store, it probably doesn't make sense that you need to travel to Europe every (laughs) summer, right? I mean, (laughs) maybe if your bike spices. Ah, French cheeses that you need to go taste in the French cheese chateau. Fair. I think I can can make an argument for that. Fair. Um, Travel and entertainment. The IRS looks closely at that, you know, Mm -hmm. to see is that excessive. They assume that meals, 50% of meals are not deductible because they assume you have to eat anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's a big assumption, by the way. I know. (laughs) I know. Most of us don't need to. Um, uh, vehicles. So if you're you're getting a brand new vehicle every year and writing that off, they start to wonder, you know, really, if you're writing a vehicle off in your business, you should have another vehicle to drive at home or you need to be apportioning your costs so that you're charging only the percentage of business use to the business. Um, they used to really watch things like cell phones and laptops and stuff like that. They've sort of moved on from that a little bit. Um, another thing people think is really great is to write off a portion of their house, you know, cause that's where their office is. Well, I heard that that's a, that's a flag for an audit. Like if you, if you take a portion of your, uh, house for a home office expense that like highly can dump you into the audit category. Myth, urban myth or no? Well, urban myth, a little bit. But anything that you take on your tax return, you have to reduce the basis of your um, house. So when you go to sell it, you've got more capital gain. Mm -hmm. So there's not a huge long-term gain. Um, So likely not really worth it. Yeah. Sounds a little bit messy. What about, let me ask you this, uh, W-2 employees who used to love 2106 expenses, and then they sort of took 2106 away. Um, and 2106 being expenses, W-2 employees could write off expenses that they were not reimbursed for that were specific to their business at building their business or expenses that their company didn't cover. That oh. used to be uh, a really cool thing for people in my industry specifically because we do spend money to make money and our companies don't always reimburse us for it. But then they they sort of took that away. Is that what what is what is the current rule around that? They did take that away. And it's funny because my husband used to be a firefighter and he would come home and he'd say, no, the guy said I can write off my uniforms and I can write off my boots and I can write off and I can write off this. And I said, 
I'm not signing that tax return. <laughs> no, <laughs> not worth, the $500 is not worth losing my license over. <laughs> you can't that deducted. Okay. What's the most wackiest thing that someone's tried to deduct that you've seen come across your desk where you're like, absolutely not? Well, you know, I don't know that it's wacky, um, but uh, horses, racehorses, are depreciated oh. over 15 years. Um, and so I've had a few clients. That's a very conservative depreciation. That's what it is. That's what the IRS says, 15 years. Um, so, you know, they'll have a racehorse business going, which generates losses year after year. Of and course you, it does. <laughs> right? <laughs> And you can really only deduct losses for a couple of years before it's considered a hobby. And then you don't get the losses against your income. So often you'll see people trying to create, create a loss with some sort of fun venture. Interesting. Very interesting. So here's another one. Uh, LLC, S Corp, C Corp, sole proprietorship, someone starting a business why would they want to form these different types of entities and what is the best one for each box? We talked about this a little bit personally with a project we're working on and I thought it was so fascinating. So share with the world what you know, girl. Okay. So if you're going to be a sole proprietor, you only want to do that if you're in a business where you don't think there's any personal liability. If you're... Um... Is, there, is there a business that doesn't <laughs> Well, exactly, liability? right? Right, Gard exactly. Gardening? I mean, I, exactly. I mean, I don't know. Because if you're a sole proprietor, A, your social security number is on W-2s and stuff like that for your employees. And, and there is no protection. If somebody sues the business, they're suing you. Mm -hmm. um, so you really, there's very few instances where I think that's a good idea. Um, so then you can become a corporation or you can become an LLC. And if you become a corporation, then you want to really be sure that you're keeping um, the business separate for your personal. So you don't, you want two credit cards, you want two bank accounts, you don't want to mix and mingle because if you mix and mingle, then the IRS or the courts are going to say, well, you know, there really isn't two entities here, you, the person and your business. And um, it pierces the corporate veil and, and they could come after you anyways. So in, in that instance, like someone who's leasing a car and wants to run it through the business, the lease should really be in the business name. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. That is correct. Yeah. That is absolutely correct. Okay. Um, so once you decide to be a corporation, you can elect S-corp status, which means then the income will flow back out to you individually. So a C-corp would pay um, tax at the corporate level. Whereas an S corp, it flows through into your individual return. And why would you do want to do one or the other? Because in a C corp, you're going to get taxed twice, right? You're going to get taxed at the corporate level. So you, business earns $100,000, you get taxed. When you pay it out to yourself as salary, you're going to get taxed again. In an S corp, you're only going to get taxed when it comes out to you. Mm -hmm. At your individual tax rate. At your individual tax rate, exactly. And if you can generate losses in said business, that can offset other income. So husband has an S-corp that runs at a loss. Wife has a big giant W-2. You can offset those two and um, reduce your income. And buy a racehorse. 
and buy and a racehorse. Okay, and then let's talk about an LLC. So an LLC um, gets taxed in California. An LLC gets taxed on its gross receipts. Um, so if you don't make a lot, if you make under five hundred thousand dollars, it's not that big of a deal. But if you make more than that, you're going to actually get taxed, especially if you have a business that generates a lot of income but then has very high expenses. Um, then you're getting taxed at a high level when you really your net income isn't very much in the end. Whew, that makes sense. a lot. It's a lot. I think you should write a little cliff note, like have a little cheat sheet in your pocket. Remember, Jeannie had like the the beauty product pocketbook. Tracy Teal should have her pocketbook of entity forming thoughts and feelings. Yeah, exactly. Um, and racehorses. And, and race, race, you're still on the racehorses. I love it. Kind of on the racehorse. You know, track. the other thing that I'll say that a lot of people don't know is rentals. You know, you think, hey, let's go buy a bunch of rentals because that would be great. Real estate appreciates. Um, you can't offset losses on your rental against your regular income. Um, unless you're materially participating more than 500 hours a year spent on rental activities. So you buy a house, you rent it out to a family, um, you're typically going to run that at a loss. And so those are not deductible against your ongoing expenses. Um, if you generate a loss over time, you can deduct that when you sell the property, but um, it's, not a, it's not a write-off on a go-forward basis. Interesting. Very interesting. All right, Tracy Deal, let's flip the script here. And we want to talk about you and how long you have been this accounting goddess. How long have you been doing this? I have been doing this 26 years. Basically forever. Forever. Yes. I started and- when I was five. <laughs> I started when I was in the womb six months ago. So then what's it like being a woman in your field? Cause I gotta imagine there's not a whole lot of gals in your position across the board. I don't, I don't, I know very few female accountant partners. It's tough. It's, you know, I think, um, although we all mean well, I think we look at things differently. Um, you know, we'll often have conversations and I'm thinking about how is it going to affect a staff person or how we can make life better for them. And, and others might be thinking about how it's going to affect them personally. Um, so I think we men and women look at different things differently. Um, you know, I, I love my job. I love that I get to work with clients and I get to help staff. Um, so it's a great place to be, but there are times when I became a partner, I was one of 12. I was one woman and, and 12 men. Um, today it's five and six. Wow. So that's we're awesome. almost, we're almost at 50%. What was that, Stacey? That's a big shift. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, do, you, do you think that was a conscious decision by your firm or it was it just the, the ones who were really up for earning partner, just the lineup happened to be a bunch of awesome women? No, in reality, um, the firm has always been very focused on women. The problem is, is that women don't want to do it. You know, they don't want to put in that many hours. They want to spend time with their kids. They want to, um, you know, it doesn't look like an attractive job to be doing. 
Um, so we have a lot of women who get to the level of manager and then they just say, you know what, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to work that hard. I don't want to deal with the crap you have to deal with. I just am not interested. We have a woman um, who's now been a partner maybe seven years and she raised her kids, start here fresh out of college, raised her kids um, when her youngest was oh, I don't know, maybe six months old, she went to the partners and she said, I want to work four days a week. Um, and then six years ago, uh, she decided to become a partner and just said, now's, now's the time. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, I think it's the profession, but it's also the fact that, um, you know, it's not conducive to raising a family. If you look at most female CPAs, in my age range, most of them don't have kids mm -hmm. or they've got a stay at home dad. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that and how it um, how it impacts specific to your industry. Um, because I think there are and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there are times during the year where it's probably like as close to 24 seven as it can be for a month leading up to a tax deadline or whatever it is. And, and um, that ebb and flow is probably a little tough to manage if you are also managing a family. It is, it is, but um, you know, I have a different uh, view on work-life balance than the average person. I mean, I think you can have it all. I think that, you know, balance means different things to different people. Um, I can remember when my son, my oldest was probably, I don't know, five or six. And, and I was going to work on a Saturday and he said, but mom, I don't want you to go. And I put down my bag and I said, okay, I'll stay home. He's like, really? And I said, yeah, but you need to call Ed, who was my boss at the time. And you need to talk to him because I won't be able to go to your field trip on Wednesday. <laughs> He's like, I'll see you when you get home, mom. <laughs> But I think it's also interesting um, that you're able to, and, and I've said the statement too before, where having it all is what is your definition of having it all? And what is your exactly. definition of balance? And, you know, saying that a woman can't have it all, it's like, okay, but wait, what are her, what are her choices that she's willing to make and, and ways that she's willing to compare and contrast and compromise in her life? Um, and I think that's something that society needs to kind of have a shift on women in careers because women need to be able to have different parts of their life. Um, the other thing that's interesting is there's no other industry that has a deadline like a tax deadline, right? All you know, the time. Dentists <laughs> don't have it. Insurance. I mean, all of us have different types of deadlines, but that, you know, April 15th or October 15th, I mean, those are hard dates that are there all the time. Um, and so that's something really unique to your industry. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just like run away if it was me. <laughs> I would just lock myself in the, in the, in the closet and not come out, but you're really calm as a cucumber all the time, Tracy Teal. That's why we love you. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> do, do, people, do people still show up at your office like three days before deadlines with receipts and shoe boxes? Does that actually still happen? It does. We have one client who brings this stuff now in shopping bags. Oh come my God. On. But oh I will God. tell you, you are better off. You are better off to go delinquent and not file your taxes on time as opposed to having somebody prepare your taxes the last week of a deadline. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, people aren't sharp, they're tired, they're crabby. It, that is not when you want somebody trying to figure out what your tax liability is. What is the perfect timeline when it comes to schooling a client about tax preparation? Like, is this something people should start doing in January? So the best, the best clients are those that keep their records all year long. Mm -hmm. So they really know, especially business owners, they actually you know, use QuickBooks or whatever, but actually know every month where they're at. Um, and yeah, either come in by the middle of February or wait and come in in, in May. What's the percentage of businesses that don't have their shit together? Well, you know, we, we're a regional firm, so we deal with a lot of small businesses. Um, and I would say 30%. Oh, I would have thought you were going to say something so much higher. Right. They yeah. just have you know, no idea. Have, because you've got, in a lot of businesses, you've got one really anal person that has to have it to the penny. And then you've got those people who, who really are successful in spite of themselves. You know, mm -hmm. they kind of know how they're doing and, and don't really ever balance the books. I mean, ballpark. Um, <laughs> Ish. Exactly. Ish. You know, there's exactly. always that in the middle ish situation. Exactly. I also work with a lot of nonprofits, and you'd be surprised at how many of them are yeah. a freaking mess. I mean, it's scary. It's actually yeah. really scary about how many people don't know basic business, you know, financial statements. QuickBooks, guys, is a great way to keep track of things. And if you don't have a software that works with your industry, man, that kind of goes across the board and integrates with a lot of systems, right? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to use, but it's also very easy to accidentally delete something or change something. Um, to know. What about people that are getting money from lots of different venues, whether it's PayPal or Venmo or Square, and you've got all these different types of income coming in. Is that um, something that's of a benefit or something that you should maybe streamline and have one method coming in from a tax perspective. Streamline is better. You get a statement from everybody now. The IRS requires all of those to actually report out. Mm -hmm. um, so for those businesses who typically didn't report all the receipts, um, the IRS knows about them now. Um, but uh, the fewer, fewer avenues of funding, the easier it is to keep track of it. But you know. want to have enough variety so that your the users of your business can get you paid, right? It's better to get paid than, <laughs> you know, have to wait for some to send you a check. What about uh, work from home expenses? Since so many of us had to work from home earlier in 2021, and some of us still are working from home. I mean, some people... Some people have offices that are open, but choosing not to go in at this point. Some people have offices that have not opened yet. Um, how is that going to work? Those really fall under the, the 2106 expenses. Um, you're not going to get a whole lot out of those. It's just kind of the way it is. And, you know, if you think about it, yeah, you had expenses because you were working from home, but you didn't have any transportation expenses. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess it's not with all the gas we didn't have to buy. Yep. Exactly. We didn't have to pay. All the exactly. travel, the travel fun stuff. All right. So I want to take the last three minutes and I want to talk about what an absolute behind the scenes badass Tracy Teal is. 
So we know Tracy very well um, from a lot of different worlds that we all spin in. Um, Tracy Teal is one of the most philanthropic people I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, would you bear to agree with me, Stacey, please? Absolutely. She sits on how many and boards? With or without the CARES Act, just see. Yeah, with or without the CARES Act. How many, how many boards do you sit on currently? Seven. Seven boards. Okay, that's, that's a lot. That's seven, really? Jesus, that's a lot. I mean, that's, that's a lot of time giving back to the community and to the world that she lives in. And somebody said something interesting uh, that we are responsible for the community that we want to create, it's something along those lines. And I think Tracy Teal really does go above and beyond creating that community out there. What gives you the, the, the fire to do that work all the time, Trace? Well, you know, I mean, accounting is just not very exciting. <laughs> it's not really giving anything back to the world. And, um, you know, I want to I wanna make the world a better place. I, wanna, I want my kids to see that it's important to give back and to support organizations. And, and I, I love it. I just... I love being busy and I love doing positive things. I think your skill set is so important for organizations to have board representation in too. So to, you know, for any board that's lucky enough to have you on there to be able to have your, your skills and your knowledge to um, bring them along, it's a big deal. It's a yeah, huge I, deal. And Tracy Teal, I mean, I could speak personally to that because she's been by my side for, I don't know, seven, six, seven, eight, nine years now. Um, and the the ability to have that different mind and the ability to, you know, ask the tough questions and have the resolve from an accounting brain is, is fantastic. And so you are just, you are a wonder woman in uh, all sense of the word. And so I am very grateful for you on a daily basis. Um, I know we all are. So I want to say uh, thank you for you taking time. And uh, even though this will be out a little bit past probably tax time, I want everyone to know that this is crunch, crunch time for Tracy. This is one of those date times. It's not an ideal for her to be sitting with us and she's giving us her time. So thank you for, for you. Thank you for all you do. And um, I hope everyone learned a little bit today and could go out there and be inspired to do better with their tax preparation and uh, be inspired to just be a good person out there. Thank you.